0: This fucking guy. Hello, my biscuits and gravy. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care if self-care is one long scream into the void.
1: Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and dick weasels that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I'm the only living boy in New York,
0: Ren Martinez. And I'm a big, bright, green pleasure machine, Ginger Golub.
1: How you doing today, Ginji?
0: Well, the more I say that intro out loud, the less I like it. But it's commemorated now. Hey, you know, sometimes we all have—we <laughs> <laughs> all have our own
1: niche areas of interest, and <laughs> yours includes folk music from the seventies. So you know, it's a brand. It's it's an it's a choice. It's a choice. Hopefully the sound uh, sounds a little better this go around. I went over to Ginger's front porch to pick up some audio equipment and microphone, including this delightful mug that I am now drinking Sutter Home Cabernet out of, which says Queer for Cryptids. And it's like, you
0: know me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who else they made that mug for because it is the most ren martinez thing that i have seen in my life i meanwhile am drinking five dollar lambrisco that i have doctored up with some uh hannah's handcrafted llc elderberry juice uh thank you hannah for that uh she our our sponsors in no way condone anything that we say on the podcast nor is she actually a sponsor but just wanted to (laughs) shout her out Uh, but yeah, we're, we're recording from afar again. Hopefully this sounds a little bit better. Um.
1: I think it is.
0: Yeah. I am also running like a fever of approximately a hundred, but not in a coronavirus way. Uh, so if any of this sounds like a fever dream, just know that for me it is. (laughs) Is there anything that you need to scream into the void?
1: I have not seen Tiger King yet, but if I, but I know enough. And if I read one more take where people are like, oh, yeah, Joe Exotic is the hero and like Carol Baskin deserves like horrible things happening to her. And I'm like, how did, how are you so bad at like critical thinking? Like, how bad are you at this? Oh my
0: God. First of all, girl, watch Tiger King. You are not better than me.
1: I just, you know. I'm really it's good very about good.
0: There is no better way to celebrate Passover. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Jewish experience. I do need to throw that out there. That's not like. Some, uh, tigers sometimes.
1: and like polygamous gay marriage is everything to do with the Jewish experience. I,
0: I read somebody being like, I just found out that John and Joe Exotic were never legally married, and it shook me. And I was like, You thought. That gay polyamorous marriage was legal in Oklahoma in 2015?
1: (laughs) People are so...
0: People are so fucking dumb. But yeah, like,
1: I don't really need to know that much about it. But again, what I know is, like, Lady was 19 on the side of the road when she ran into 40-year-old whatever creeper man she ran into. And, like, should a man that, like fucks a 19-year-old that he found on the side of the road be eaten by tigers? abso fucking lootly That's
0: the real lesson here. I mean, in most circumstances. Perhaps not all circumstances. But probably in this one. So, again, I know nothing
1: about the show, but everyone has these, like, hot takes of, like, oh, yeah, let's take Carol Baskin to court because she murdered her husband. And I'm like, y'all are,
0: y'all... <laughs> I'm also the only remaining person who doesn't think she killed her husband, but... I mean, I- who who knows? I don't know. I haven't seen the
1: show yet. But again, any 40-something-year-old dude who, like, hooks up with a 19-year-old deserves to be eaten by tigers.
0: Girl, please, please watch this whole thing before any more of it is spoiled for you.
1: Wasn't Joe Exotic the dude that ran for president? yeah. I knew him from him running for president. From John Oliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know things. <laughs> Marjorie, do you want to come say hello? Well, dear listeners, since we're recording in my house, this is Miss Marjorie. She's not very talkative, at least not at this exact moment when I'm putting her up to the microphone. But she is a big fluffy cat who I give a really bad French accent to whenever <laughs> she has conversations. Hello. My name is Miss Marjorie, and I love to be pet. Yes. That's it. That's all.
0: Marjorie is a very delicate lady. Uh, Beans, meanwhile, is uh, sitting on the couch and somehow giving me the middle finger, which I didn't know he could do. So that's impressive. I'm very proud of Beans. You ready for some therapy? I
1: think it is time. You are feverish. You are doing us the dedicated favor of even recording this episode and I need to therapize you. <laughs> all right. Gingy, now that we've talked about gay tigers and Jewish bagels and all sorts of other stuff.
0: <laughs> all tigers are gay. All bagels are Jewish. It is canon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why don't you tell me about this fucking guy?
0: Okay, Ren. I'm going to start with a riddle. What do Bugs Bunny and Adolf Hitler have in common? They both
1: dressed in drag.
0: What else do they... (laughs) Because I told you that I was researching their common, like, ancestral link earlier, like, two weeks ago, and you had exactly zero questions, and that blew my mind. I mean... (sighs) Who the hell, Richard Wagner... Was born on May 22nd, 1813 in Leipzig in what is now Germany. He was the ninth child of Karl Friedrich Wagner. There's a lot of German in here. I'm sorry to our many German listeners uh, for (laughs) mispronunciations (laughs) that come out of this. Uh, The ninth child of Karl Friedrich Wagner in Johannesburg. And some lady whose name we don't need to know because <laughs> can't pronounce it. Uh, his family was ethnically German, but he was born in the Jewish quarter of the city. I don't usually mention this shit, but as you can imagine, it's going to come up. I'm sorry. What year was it? This is uh, 1813. Oh, that's earlier than I thought. Continue. Yeah. Uh, Wagner's father, Carl, died of typhus six months after he was born, and after that his mother, Joanna, lived with Carl's friend, the actor and playwright Ludwig Geyer in Dresden. Uh, Joanna and Geyer probably got married, but there's, like, not any clear documentation on that. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, especially from this one BBC documentary, which we've linked to in the show notes. Uh, that Joanna was having an affair with Geyer before her husband died, that he might have been Wagner's real father.
1: I mean, you said he's a playwright?
0: Yeah. Those people fuck. They fuck. They fuck <laughs> it all across Germany. Uh <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like, no way of knowing if he was Wagner's real father, but for the sake of baseless speculation, let's say that that's definitely true. Um, and Wagner certainly thought that Geyer was his father, uh, though, and until he was 14, Wagner was known as Wilhelm Richard Geyer. Wagner's stepfather was, like I said, a playwright, and he got Little Ricard really interested in the arts, but especially music. He started being educated in music at age nine, but Wagner later pretended to be self-taught so he would look like more of a genius. So that's what we're working <laughs> right off the bat.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely. How many dudes do you remember being at your uh, university commons, playing on the guitar, being like, oh, yeah, I taught myself? Like, I taught all this to myself.
0: I mean, many and many of them, I believed, because they were bad at it. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. (laughs) Uh, Wagner was pretty negligent in school, but took uh, in the arts a lot. He was a big fan of Shakespeare, Goethe, and Beethoven. Uh, And you can tell when you listen to his music that he heard Beethoven's Ninth. It was like, well, I guess this is what music is now. Like, it's all very Beethoven's Ninth-y. Um, when he was flailing around in his schooling, he composed his first opera, Die Fien, which is German for the fairies. I just... oh, okay,
1: continue. <laughs> but, okay, okay, okay. What a
0: beautiful okay. language. So he composed this opera, couldn't get it published in Leipzig. When he was 23, he became conductor to a provincial theater troupe from Mudgeburg, probably. <laughs> Because he fell in love with one of the actresses of the troupe. Classic. Uh Wilhelmine Minna Planner.
1: Here's how I love these names. I want to I want you to know that if I had more of this mini bottle of Sutter Home, I'd be taking shots every time you fucked up a German person's name.
0: Girl, I know I know you have liquor about 10 feet from your right shoulder, because that is how well I know the layout of your house, disturbingly. You're not wrong. You can do shots for every bad pronunciation. I want to be able to go to work tomorrow. Want is an awfully strong word. Okay.
1: I need to be able to go to work tomorrow.
0: So here's how one of Wagner's biographers, Stuart Spencer, describes uh, his and Minna's relationship to the BBC. I think in the case of Wagner and Minna, it seems to have been an attraction of opposites. He's highly emotional and highly articulate and certainly highly ambitious and intellectually curious, and Minna was, well, none of those things. Dumb as shit. Dumb as a box of rocks, but really hot. I mean, isn't that everyone's first love? Like, (laughs) Yep, yep. Meanwhile, if I had to describe what Wagner looked like, it would be he looked like a crescent moon, but kind of lumpy. He had that, like, protruding forehead and protruding chin that just made his whole head look sort of like a crescent. Uh, professionally, Wagner was doing really poorly. None of his operas were doing well. One of them closed before the second performance. Uh, and then finally the theater company he was working for left him in bankruptcy. After the disaster of his play Das Lieferstebot, he followed her to Konigsberg, where she helped him get a job at the theater. The couple got married in 1836. Romance.
1: Well... You know, we know that he was with her for her intellect and wit, so.
0: So, so yeah, they got married in November 1836. In May 1837, Minna left Wagner for another man.
1: (laughs) 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 I mean, what's not to love about a dude who is way smarter than you, probably lets you know it, fails at everything he does. And And needs you to get him a job as an usher in a local theater. I think she got him a job directing, but still. No, I firmly believe he was at the popcorn stand.
0: That's fair. Uh, Now, this wasn't, like, the last straw for their relationship. This was, like, the first straw. Because these two, much like everybody that we, like, dated in high school, were dramatic as fuck. In June 1837, Wagner moved to Riga, where he became music director of the local opera. He then gave Minna's sister, Amelie, also a singer, a job which was, I guess, enough for Minna because she moved out to Riga and they were back together by 1838. Now... you (laughs) you were saying
1: he gave her sister a... And you paused for a second. I was about to be like... But what? (laughs) (laughs) for
0: Yeah, I kept waiting for it to become an affair with the sister, but it, I I never found that. Um, this was...
1: these kids, they all be fucking, so...
0: True. This... Now, listen carefully, because this was my favorite piece of my research, which I could not substantiate from anywhere else. The podcast Your Classical Music Adventure made the fucking bold assertion that I haven't been able to corroborate. That... At this point, he was living with Minna, her sister, and a literal wolf. The episode (laughs) gave no fucking
1: details. (laughs) Can't see it, kids, man. That sounds exactly like when I was in college, hanging out with those fucking freaks.
0: (laughs) I mean, it feels true. It feels deeply true. (laughs) So, um, by 1839, Wagner and Minna had run up a huge amount of debt, so they fled Riga on the run from creditors, which you could do then because there was no internet. Now, Ren, if you were on the run from creditors, where would you go?
1: Boca Raton.
0: Paris! The oh. Wagner settled in Paris in September of 1839 and stayed there until 1842.
1: Don't get me wrong. I love Paris. Like, I fucking love Paris. It's a beautiful city. But if I was in debt to my eyeballs to the point I needed to escape <laughs> where I was living, choosing one of those expensive cities on the planet probably wouldn't have been my first choice. But I mean, they're also, you know what? No, they're also starving artists. They don't give a shit. They're going to be in a commune. It's fine.
0: They're fucking theater kids. They're starving artists, and they of course had the same romantic idea of Paris that every fucking art kid has where he was gonna go, and he was gonna be the toast of the town, and all that sycophantic shit. But it went real bad. We're not gonna
1: pay rent. (laughs) Rent, 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 rent. We're not gonna pay rent. Because we're artists. Uh,
0: And like all of the artists in Rent, he could not make a goddamn living in Paris. Uh... (laughs) It went real bad. Despite a recommendation from the influential German composer Giacomo Meyerbeer, remember that name, Wagner could not break into the uh, close-knit circle of mainly Jewish composers, also file that away for later, at the opera. Living with a colony of poor German artists, he staved off starvation by means of musical journalism and hack work. Still, during this time, he finished his first real opera, The Flying Dutchman, I Did Not Bother Writing Down the German Title.
1: This is also when he met a woman who
0: worked at the Moulin Rouge,
1: and they had <laughs> a massive love affair.
0: <laughs> After he did absent that one time. <laughs> That's his... how all
1: the great love affairs start. Is that not how your relationship started?
0: It's not not because how mine my... started. <laughs> Uh, His frenemy Meyerbeer helped get his play Rienzi staged in Dresden, so he was finally back in Germany. After finding out, he fucking hated Paris. Rienzi did well, and he lived in Dresden for the next six years, eventually being appointed by the Royal Saxon Court conductor. No word on Minna, her sister, or the wolf. So now he's super successful, living somewhere he loves, working with the Royal Court. Ren. Yes. If you're Wagner, what do you do at this point?
1: I'm going to fuck someone I shouldn't.
0: Did I hear you say get exiled for making hand grenades? Why, of course. <laughs> They're the same thing.
1: It's the same, same thing in spirit. Va- <laughs>
0: was a uh, socialist German nationalist, and he was really pissed off that Germany was a bunch of little kingdoms instead of one big country, which is simplifying it a bit. Uh, Widespread discontent came to a head in 1849, and the May uprising in Dresden broke out, in which Wagner played a minor supporting role. And by minor supporting role, I mean he wrote passionate articles inciting people to revolt. And when fighting broke out, he started literally making hand grenades and standing as the lookout on top of the barricades that were erected in the streets.
1: Do you hear the people sing? Singing the songs <laughs> of angry men. You're the singing of people who will not be slaves again.
0: Wagner was singing the songs of Angry Men.
1: Oh, there's so many musical references in this, and I love every second.
0: Oh, yes. As you likely guessed, uh, the revolutionaries did not win, and warrants were issued for their arrest. Uh, Wagner had to flee first to Paris and then to Zurich. Um, he spent the next 12 years in exile from Germany. He had completed his opera Longerin before Dresden. <laughs> I'm doing (laughs) real good, Ren. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Before the Dresden uprising, and somehow he convinced his friend Franz Liszt to stage it in his absence.
1: Oh, I know that guy.
0: Yeah, Liszt amazing. He's a guy. Yes.
1: I was just like, I was in orchestra for like eight years. Couldn't tell you much of anything. But I do remember some names. And that that was a name. That was a name. That was a name.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Franz Liszt, name you should file away for later, um, staged his opera in his absence. Um, Wagner was doing shitty otherwise, though. Uh, He didn't have intellectual German buddies, didn't have a way to make money. In 1850, he's not even 40 yet by this point. He's been
1: busy. He's been a busy boy, failing at every level.
0: Uh this woman named Julie, who was the wife of his friend, uh generously began to pay him a small pension, which she maintained for the next nine years with the help of her friend Jessie Lasot. Uh this one to shit. In dick. 18- well yeah, this one to <laughs> shit in eighteen fifty nine when Wagner began an affair with Madame Lesotte. He was probably also fucking Julie, but that is not discussed. Um theater kids. Fucking theater, kids! Wagner even planned to elope with uh, Madame Lesoth, but her husband said no. Aww, what a Uh, buzzkill! Meanwhile, uh, Wagner's wife, Minna, who he's still married to... Oh,
1: I was wondering where Minna went! I thought she was still still hanging out with the wolf!
0: No, No updates on the wolf, tragically. Um... Minna was depressed, allegedly not because of Wagner's affair, but because she thought his recent work was bad.
1: All of his work has been bad, Minna.
0: Wagner's primary published work during his first years in Zurich was a set of essays that included The Artwork of the Future, where he described a vision of opera as Gesamtkunstwerk. I pronounced that one correctly because I've I've practiced it like 20 times because it's my new favorite word. Ah uh, means total work of art in which the various arts such as music, song, dance, poetry, and vis- visual arts and stagecraft were unified. That's very nice, isn't it?
1: That's called a play.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they're all like equally represented. Like in Shakespearean plays, sort of the main part of it was the text, in the acting. I'm sorry, I'm burping all over my microphone. Um. But, like, you know, he he wanted to sort of, like, bring all of the levels up to the same level. Like, you know, I, I want to make the best music with the best stagecraft and the best costumes. Which is, like, a cool idea. I can't appreciate what he was working with. And Gesamtkunstwerk is a very good word.
1: It is a very good word.
0: His next essay was published in 1850 and was titled Das Judentum in der Musik. Or... Judaism and music.
1: Oh, no. Is this going to be a really well-fought treatise on actual Jewish culture and art?
0: The essay attacks Jews in general and the composer Giacomo Meyerbeer, remember him, and Felix Mendelssohn in particular. It claims that Jews were incapable of true creativity. According to Wagner... Mendelssohn?
1: Even I know fucking Mendelssohn!
0: Well, Wagner thought he was a hack. Uh, because according to Wagner... He doesn't have a wolf. <laughs> according to Wagner, the Jewish artist can only speak in imitation of others, make art in imitation of others. He cannot really speak, write, or create art on his own. Uh... This was the first of Wagner's writings to feature anti-Semitic views, but not the last. I can imagine all this-
1: I'm sorry. Theater dudes are all the same dude. Actually, art dudes, just art dudes, are all the same man. We know. We dated all of them. We dated all of them. Like, you go to their dorm, and, like, they're there with their beanie, and they have their guitar or paintbrush or whatever the fuck form of art they do, and they're like, you just don't understand. Like, my creativity comes from within. It's not derived from outside sources, and I'm like, okay, I've heard this before. I need to drink first before we do anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only further feeding into that, he published uh, Judaism and music under the pseudonym K-Friegedonk, which means K-Free-Thought. Get it? How do <gasps> you get it? In the essay, Wagner argued that Jews had no connection to the German spirit and were thus capable of producing only shallow and artificial music. According to him, they composed music to achieve popularity and thereby financial success. As opposed to him creating genuine works of art and achieving no financial success. What a fuck.
1: This is every fucking indie music artist who's like, I don't make pop music like Kesha. I don't make pop music. It's not for the masses. Uh, okay, sweater weather, whatever.
0: <laughs> By the time he left Dresden, Wagner had started composing what would become his most famous work, The Ring Cycle. Now, Ren, how long do you feel like it takes to write an opera?
1: Um, as someone who has still working on her first novel a decade.
0: 26 years you are right on the money friend you know what <laughs> fair <laughs> that's super fair it took so long to write that most of what happens next happened while he was working on it um he set the ring cycle aside for a little bit to write Tristan und Isolde which would oh. become maybe his other most famous opera and almost definitely the only one to star James Franco Allegedly, the main inspiration for Tristan and Isolde was Wagner's big old boner for the wife of his wealthy benefactor, poet-writer Mathilde Wessendonk. He
1: cannot help but fuck other people's wives. He
0: cannot help it. In addition to extending him a bunch of loans, the Wessendonks put a fucking cottage on their estate for Wagner and I think Minna, which is... (laughs) but not the wolf (laughs) the wolf can go fuck itself the wolf and the sister can go to hell um (laughs) i think you will agree that that's a pretty thing a pretty cool thing to do for the dude banging your wife but what do i know
1: i mean i guess like you know you can have like ethical polyamory um but like (laughs) this sounds more like a dude who's just boning all of his friends wives
0: yeah, although to be fair, there's no evidence that they actually boned at least according to the BBC folks, but I also don't know like what evidence they were expecting, but you can feel the
1: boner behind it. Like
0: you can feel, boner. feel
1: that boner. Mm. <laughs> it feels uh, true. <laughs>
0: In 1855, he performed in London for Queen Victoria. The Queen enjoyed the opera and spoke with Wagner after the concert, writing of him in her diary that he was short, very quiet, wears spectacles, and has a finely developed forehead, a hooked nose, and projecting chin. Savage. Savage Queen Vicky. <laughs> Hold on just a sec. Both of my dogs are whining, and I'm going to have to kill them if I don't put them outside first. Okay. Okay. Okay, where were we?
1: Um, he was fucking all of his friends' wives. <sighs> that which is which is exactly what a theater kid would do.
0: Dude, that does not narrow it down for me. Uh,
1: um, he was living on a house to fuck the man's wife.
0: Oh yes, Queen Victoria, Wagner and Mathilde stopped seeing each other after Minna intercepted one of their love letters. She wasn't happy, but Wagner took the very normal, immature approach of fleeing Zurich for Italy, and then, because he doesn't learn, Paris! Back <laughs> to Paris!
1: Honey, I just found this text. We need to talk about it. Hey. And we will. But. <laughs> just barrel rolls out a window. <laughs> and goes to Zurich. <laughs> It's like that scene from fucking uh, Scott Pilgrim where he's like, is Scott home? And he's like, you know what? Glass shatters. (laughs) He just left. (laughs) That's Wagner just.
0: His opera, Tenhauser, did extremely poorly and was protested because Wagner had the cheek, the cheek, to put the ballet number in the first act (gasps) instead of the second act. (gasps) Because that's what people were worried about then. There was also something about Napoleon, but I didn't understand it, so I mostly left it out.
1: Oh, simpler time.
0: Uh, the opera was shut down after the third performance, and Wagner left Paris soon after. Something that I have at this point said five or six times. <laughs> <laughs> he does not learn. Once again, he tried to reconcile with Minna, and again she moved to Paris with him. But that also went poorly, and so they moved back to Germany But then finally, thank God, parted ways for good. You know what? Here's
1: the thing I'll say. Again, clearly, theater kid, fucking everything that's not nailed down. Like, even things that are nailed down. Like, (laughs) fucking everything. But, but, probably gives great head. So, that's why ladies go back.
0: I mean, this one did. It's This all about dumb, performance. unambitious moron, according to the BBC, <laughs> just kept going back for that, like...
1: But apparently she's a hottie patati. so she's like, you know what, he's ugly, and he keeps cheating on me, but, like, that kind of lingy, baby, well, what <laughs> are you going to do?
0: But what do that dick do? <laughs> In 1864, King Ludwig II succeeded the throne of Bavaria at the age of 18. Do you know what Ludwig liked, Ren? Pussy. Certainly not. He liked Wagner and dicks. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's the other way it could have (laughs) gone. Yep. (laughs) So he brought Wagner to Munich because, you know, king. Um, Ludwig made his feelings clear to Wagner. And because he's the worst, Wagner pretended to be into Ludwig, too. Heteroflexible,
1: at minimum.
0: I mm, Ludwig settled Wagner's considerable debts, set him up in a villa, and agreed to stage basically all of Wagner's operas. Uh, Isn't
1: this the plot of the favorite? Like you, you just, you just got, you get with the king or queen. You get with the queen. You finger blast her a couple
0: times. She pays off your debts, and then you just live there for a while. Like it's not, not the plot of the queen. It's not not the plot of The Favourite is absolutely not the plot of The Queen starring Helen Mirren. That would be a much more entertaining movie.
1: (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of the musical six. And that's also the plot of six. So you just, you know, you meet Henry VIII. He's like, hey, man, live in my house. Let's bone down. You may or may not be beheaded.
0: like Wheel of Fortune. Hey, sirrah, sirrah. Uh, Wagner also began to dictate his autobiography, Mein Lieben, at the king's request. Wagner noted that his rescue by Ludwig coincided with news of the death of his earlier mentor, but later supposed enemy, Giacomo Firebeer, and regretted that, quote, This operatic master, who had done me so much harm, should not have lived to see this day. He's like, I'm doing so good, and I'm only sad that this fucking dude is dead, so I can't rub my success in his face. This I'm is so successful
1: who- being the sugar baby of the king, when I don't even like dick that much, he <sighs> doesn't get to glow in my success. See my glow up.
0: Yeah, this guy's the fucking worst. Somehow, even though the king of Bavaria was paying him a shitload of money, he ran up a bunch of debt. And everyone around Ludwig was like, bro, this guy's bad news. But Ludwig was like, no, I can change him.
1: I just realized, my earlier Moulin Rouge reference, Wagner is not the up-and-coming lyricist trying to make a play.
0: He's Nicole Kidman. No,
1: he's Nicole Kidman, yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> A failed actress who has to make money on the side, being a sex worker. That's that.
0: It's all coming into focus now. So, after grave difficulties in rehearsal, Tristan and Isolde uh, premiered at the National Theater in Munich on June tenth, eighteen sixty-five, the first Wagner opera to premiere in almost fifteen years. The premiere had been scheduled for a month earlier, but was delayed in part because Wagner's creditors showed up and threatened to break his kneecaps. Very cool, very chill. The conductor of the opera was Hans von Bulow, whose wife, Cosima, had given birth in April of that year to a daughter named Isold, a child not of Bulow, but of Wagner. I knew that. Uh, Pretty
1: much anytime you're like,
0: this man had a
1: wife, I'm like, ah, yeah. Mm, yep, yep. Wagner yep. was fucking.
0: Cosima was 24 years younger than Wagner and was the illegitimate daughter of Wagner's buddy Franz Liszt.
1: Okay, no. (laughs) No, that's even too incestuous for a theater kid group. That's fucky.
0: Yeah, no, that's not great. The affair, which they made literally no effort to hide, scandalized Munich in the Bavarian court and was... The Bavarian court was all shady and suspicious of Wagner, especially considering his influence on the king. In December 1865, Ludwig was finally forced to ask the composer to leave Munich. He apparently also toyed with the idea of abdicating to follow his hero into exile, but Wagner was like, thank you, but no.
1: Aw, this poor gay love story that never got off the ground. Never got off the ground, partly because
0: he was still banging many dudes' wives. I mean, that does that does put a damper on the gay love story. Tends to, yeah, yeah, yeah. His darn heterosexuality, alas. Heteroflexibility. If there's money, that, that
1: man is willing to be a sugar baby. Yes.
0: Minna, who was still married to Wagner, finally died of a heart attack on January 25th, 1866.
1: After hearing about this bullshit... <laughs>
0: Wagner did not attend the funeral. Ice cold. After Minna died, Cosima wrote to her husband repeatedly asking for a divorce, but he said no. He finally did grant her the divorce, but only after she had two more children with Wagner. I'm sorry. This does sound like an Am
1: I the Asshole post. It sounds like, hi, guys, <laughs> this is this is Wagner. Wagner. Just want to know what y'all thought. Like, so I'm married, but literally fuck anything that moves and is also married. Like, I love fucking a married lady. Um, definitely sugar babied for a rich ass dude to pay off all my debts. Woo. Um, <laughs> is it hanky? So, like, my BFF um, list has this. Uh, you know, was got married and had kids, and like I was the godfather. It was great. You know, like practically raised these children. Well, now they're fuckable. And this one in particular is fuckable. So I fucked her at least 3 times and had children by her and now she wants to get a divorce from her husband and I'm going to guess I don't fucking marry her. Oh, no, he marries
0: her. Oh, he does marry her? Yeah. But like
1: am I the asshole?
0: I mean always that yes. I, I'm trying to send you a picture of Cosima, because I, I sort of have an idea of what you're thinking, and it's not that.
1: My point is, don't
0: fuck your friend's children,
1: even if they're adults now. She looks better older.
0: She's the most beautiful horse in the field, also, that's not her older. That's like her at 20. No, like, this. this
1: is her older.
0: Oh, yeah, that is.
1: But that's what I'm saying, is that, like, she actually looks very distinguished as an old lady. But, but she had to grow into that. like that. Oh, no, as a young lady, she looked like she was just waiting to be an old lady. But you still don't fuck your friend's children.
0: I think that that is a good place to draw the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was a piece of shit. Like, let's, let's not get it twisted. She was a piece of shit. We will get into that. Uh, he
1: does look like the man in the moon. I told you actually both of them kind of look like it his, his hers goes out with the nose his goes in with the nose
0: they both had to have extraordinary skulls i have to tell you about their children though because oh, yeah? okay so you remember how like right before his opera premiered she uh she had a a daughter and named her asold the heroine of the opera the opera about fucking that like was about to premiere
1: written by her dad's best friend. Yes.
0: Written by her dad's best friend, who is also the father of her child who she named Uh, after the heroine of a play about fucking. Um, So her other kids were another daughter named Eva after the heroine of his opera, Mr. Singer and a son secret. I'm sorry. Siegfried named after the hero of the ring cycle. So subtlety. subtlety, humbleitude.
1: You know, but it's not the worst celebrity baby names. Okay. Like naming them at least after humans is
0: not bad. That's true. They did get married in 1870. Wagner got back to it and turned his energies towards finally completing the ring cycle, but not before he, for some reason, republishes 1850 pamphlet, Judaism and music, Which was originally issued under a pseudonym, but he published under his own name. And in an extended version, 33% more anti-Semitism in 1869. 33% more anti-Semitic? At least. uh, (laughs) What a metric. He probably did this because he was now entangled uh, with Cosima, who was also a big old anti-Semite and also looked like a horse. This
1: definitely sounds like one of those people who are like on the red pill or like men's rights activists who are like the reason I'm not personally successful is because of black people or like the reason I'm not personally successful is because women have rights.
0: See, I think of it more as like that early 2000s thing with like every third Republican senator being like gay should be burned at the stake and then he's given blowjobs to like male flight attendants in airport bathrooms. (laughs) Um, because one of the reasons that Cosima was such an anti-Semitic piece of shit was because she thought that she might be part Jewish. So that was a thing. Ironically, after he reissued the pamphlet, Wagner's critics started back up with the rumors that Wagner was himself Jewish.
1: This is definitely something that's prepared, that's been in several of your episodes, where like people are being pieces of shit, and so the best way to call them out is being like, "Well, you're the black man, you're the Jew." Oh God,
0: humans are the worst. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he might have been Jewish was, like, maybe true because his stepfather, Geyer, like, was maybe Jewish, which a lot of very questionable biographies, like, bend backwards to go, like, he couldn't have been Jewish. But these are also, like, pretty anti-Semitic biographers, and they're like, no, he wasn't really that anti-Semitic, don't worry about it. it it's, like, a whole problematic thing. But if his stepfather was his father, then yeah, he might have been Jewish. be
1: He's not that anti-Semitic. He only just says he hates Jews eight times, not nine times. <laughs>
0: it's math. It's only 33% more anti-Semitic. It could have been 50%. In this do- in this BBC documentary... You're that- the real
1: Jew! <laughs>
0: <laughs> in this BBC documentary, this one um, historian, she's like, people call his music anti-Semitic. And I don't understand how music could even be anti-Semitic. Like, I don't even understand what that would be. And I'm like, have you tried listening to the works of Wagner? Because if ever music were to sound anti-Semitic, it would probably sound like that. Also... Shut up. I had a more reasoned thing, but this is how it came out of my mouth, because the fever's was rampant.
1: that's the same old argument where, like, people are, like, think about it this way. It's kind of like when, like, Mel Gibson, like, went on drunken rampages and, like, called everyone fucking Jews and, like, did a bunch of, like, racist-ass shit and people were like, but you can still watch his movies. He's not anti-Semitic in the movies. He's
0: anti-Semitic all the time, Barbara. In 1871, Wagner decided to move to Bayreuth, where he started working on a big old opera house and festival to premiere the Ring Cycle. He had to rely on King Ludwig to finance it, of course. And of course, the opera house included the Wagner family home, which was clearly essential. You know, for the art. Commenting on the struggle to finish the building, Wagner remarked to Cosima, Each stone is red with my blood and yours.
1: That's a weird thing to say. Yep. Particularly <laughs> that he adds his wife's blood in there. That it's like, it's not just my blood's here. It's like, no, your blood.
0: Your blood's
1: needed. Bring it over here. We need your blood involved.
0: The Festival House finally opened on August 13th, 1876 with the Ring Cycle. Now, Wren, how long should an opera be? Ten minutes. Fifteen hours? Indeed. Oh, it's the Lord of the Rings box series. Okay. Critical reactions ranged between that of the Norwegian composer Edvard Grieg, who thought the work was divinely composed, and that of the French newspaper Le Figaro, which called the music The Dream of a Lunatic.
1: French people hate Wagner. That's what I've learned. France is like, fuck you. You're boring. You done been did. Stop trying to outfuck us. You can't. Like, get out of here.
0: <laughs> Among the disillusioned were Wagner's friend and disciple, Friedrich Nietzsche, who was bitterly disappointed by Wagner's pandering to German nationalism. I really don't like Wagner's music, so this delights me. Uh, like, it sounds like what you would think angry German classical music would sound like. So do you know Ride of the Valkyries? Yes. Yeah. Do you know Bugs Bunny doings Kill the Wabbit? Yes. To Rite of the Valkyries, that's Wagner.
1: When you're so bad that even the anti- your anti-Semitism can't bring Nietzsche to the party, you know? <laughs> He's like, I'm down with the anti-Semitism, but, like, your music sucks, bruh.
0: But can you chew? Wagner was not satisfied with the premiere, and his festival finished with a deficit of about 150,000 marks. I don't know how much a mark is, but I'm guessing it's, like, a lot fagner had to freelance to pay them bills in 1876 he started yet another affair with judith gautier who he met at the festival
1: was she married i don't think so i'm sure she was
0: i'm sure she was he only likes the married. he's unable to get it up unless she's married So, Wagner wrote a number of articles in his later years, often on political topics and often reactionary in tune, repudiating some of his earlier, more liberal views. Many of these later articles included, What is German?, and repeated Wagner's anti-Semitic preoccupations. He also got super into Christianity, which was weird, and tried to retroactively (laughs) explain why the Ring Cycle was a Christian work when it was really about some pagan demigods fucking their siblings. As God intended. As God intended.
1: As God and goddess intended. This is is clearly the foible that happens to some artists. Because, like, don't get me wrong, like, People are allowed to have political opinions regardless of what job you have, as well, you should. You should be engaged. But it's like when people are like, well, you see, I have art, so therefore my opinion means more. He's the Kanye of 19th century Germany.
0: Yeah, that tracks. Wagner got into the philosophy of Arthur de Gobineau. They both believed that the human race was degenerating. Gobineau thought that this was because of miscegenation, while Wagner also thought it was about miscegenation, but also held the, review, the view that it was primarily due to meat-eating, and the, that redemption was to be found in the unity of mankind through the pure blood of Christ. The only meat you can
1: eat is Jesus' meat. <laughs> <laughs> only Jesus' meat is what you can eat. Um, I'm pretty sure that's just Easter. Um
0: Pretty much. Happy Easter, everyone. (laughs) After the premiere of his last opera, Parsifal, he and his family went to Venice. There, Wagner died of a heart attack at the age of 69. Nice. On February 13, 1883. According to the Wagner Opera's website, he had been ill for some time with heart trouble. And that morning, he and Cosima had a terrible fight about his amorous infidelities, Recently, Wagner had been amorously involved with Carrie Pringle, an English soprano, who had been one of the flower maidens in Parsifal. And as you will remember, there was also Judith Gautier, who had been Wagner's mistress since 1869. She was 24 and he was 56 when they met. Mm. Cosmos about it. And it was Gautier who sat next to him uh, for the premiere of The Ring Cycle. And Cosima had been really bummed out about this. Uh, So on the day of his death, Wagner cried out at 2 p.m. And while he was breathing his last, Cosima went over to the piano and played. Which I think is supposed to be sweet, but I'm just going savage.
1: Hilarious. First of all, Cosima, sorry girl. But like... He was cheating on literally everything when he was fucking with you. So I don't know why you're suddenly like, Why are you fucking all these other ladies? You're only supposed to fuck with me when you're married to other people. What? Like right? that never works out. But yeah, this image of like him on the ground writhing and her being like, Hold please, and going and playing like Like, that's fucking brilliant.
0: I didn't know that heart and soul could be so savage. (laughs) This is one of my favorite dumb fucking facts. There was a funerary gondola that brought Wagner's remains over the Grand Canal. The body was entombed in Beirut in the garden of the family estate Villa von Fried. There is no inscription on the tombstone. I don't know why.
1: Funerary Gondola is my new band. Funeration. Check that out on SoundCloud. Oh my god, that's brilliant.
0: Oh, it's not over.
1: It's. I'm sure it's not, because at some point, now that I've, I've recognized the connection to Bugs Bunny, we're gonna have to further explain.
0: Yeah. After he died, Cosima tried really hard to conceal any evidence that Wagner's stepfather, Geyer, was his biological father, because Geyer was maybe Jewish, and Cosima didn't approve of that and thought Wagner wouldn't either. Kosima also solidified by Ruth's identity as the spiritual center of the German nationalist movement. Wagner's son, Houston Stuart Chamberlain, which is not a very German name, became its intellectual leader, much admired by a young Hitler. As the future dictator rose in the 1920s, the Wagner family embraced him publicly. When Hitler was imprisoned following the failed beer hall Push of 1923, Winifred Wagner... Richard's daughter-in-law brought him the paper on which he wrote Mein Kampf. She died in 1980, still believing in Hitler's greatness. I'm still going. I can see, I can see your face just going, what the Well, fuck? it's
1: just like, I'm just, you know, it, it kind of makes you want to think back on your legacy, that it's like, what have I produced in the world? What product have I put out into the universe? And if at any point, It's like, yes, I have put out this product, this magnum opus, this whatever the fuck, and the person who has, like, brought it into their loving arms commits genocide. You
0: know you fucked up. While Wagner's music was used at many Nazi events, the Nazi hierarchy as a whole did not share Hitler's enthusiasm for Wagner's operas and apparently resented attending these lengthy epics at Hitler's insistence, which I find hilarious. Because they're bad. Well, and like they're 15 hours long. Good God.
1: I mean, but the Nazis also like did a lot of weird shit. I mean. I mean, listening to a 15 hour opera is by far the least of the weird shit they did.
0: There's some evidence that Wagner's music was used at the Dachau concentration camp to re-educate political prisoners by exposure to national music. Uh Because of the associations of Wagner with anti-Semitism and Nazism, the performance of his music in the state of Israel has been a source of controversy, to say the least.
1: I mean, you can guarantee that, like, before they put people in the gas chamber, they were playing fucking Ride of the Valkyrie or some shit. And, like... They do? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, maybe that's not the song we should be uh, playing at the bat mitzvah. Maybe, huh. maybe not the first choice.
0: mm Although Wagner's operas reflect a nationalistic view- worldview that echoes that of Nazism, they cannot legitimately be described as Nazi music. But at the same time, the impact of the composer and his works on the dictator cannot be denied. According to Hitler's memoirs, it was his teenage viewing of Rienzi that made him understand for the first time his destiny to strengthen and unite the German Reich. For this his- is Fight Club. <laughs> This is just German Fight Club. It's like,
1: there's nothing wrong with Fight Club. But then, like, a bunch of fucking white dudes on the internet got Fight Club and, like, ruined Fight Club. And now it does not matter. The original authorial intent of Fight Club.
0: Well, it would also be a little bit like the original authors of Fight Club were like, I mean, have you thought about punching women?
1: (laughs) That's true. It's not a perfect analogy, but still the idea of like a work being completely separate from a movement and then that movement going and then like taking it and you're like, oh, no, it's ruined.
0: For his 50th birthday, Adolf Hitler requested the originals of several Wagner operas and against the wishes of Wagner's family, took them with him into his bunker. And that is the story and fucked up legacy of
1: Richard Wagner. That crescent moon fucked so many ladies and inspired so many Nazis. Oh, my God. Uh and then they used it in Bugs Bunny cartoons.
0: And then they used it in Bugs Bunny cartoons, which is like more problematic than I realized that it was at the time. Although, like, Bugs Bunny in the Valkyrie breastplate is... I I think
1: it's, so the only reason why I think it's at least a little bit okay is because, like, this is clearly a very European understanding of Wagner. America is dumb as shit and, like, doesn't care about, like, other people's cultural history. So they're like, it's opera. Whatever.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ.
1: You know, like, they're not going to Wikipedia it. Like, they're just going to, like, whatever, it sounds cool. That's why, like, Flight of the Valkyries is, like, in every single Vietnam War movie, you know?
0: Which I also thought that was called Flight of the Valkyries before I started researching this. It's Ride of the Valkyries or possibly Right of the Valkyries. I've heard it both ways. That huh. doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. I'm just apparently going to be pedantic now that I know that.
1: But, yeah, so it's, it's just, like, Americans are just, like, have, have no issue completely ignoring all cultural context. So, yeah.
0: So I only have a couple self-care tips for today. And they're perhaps not as, like, well integrated into the themes as usual. First and foremost, stay hydrated out there, kids, because crying will dehydrate you. Mm-hmm. I know where we're all at on this, like, 25th day of quarantine. Might I also recommend celebrating Passover? It's fun, and the food's real good. And lastly, listen to Bach. It's less problematic. Probably. I haven't researched him yet, so that may not be true. Marjorie, did you have something to say? No? Now you're gonna go silent? Marjorie says,
1: fuck every single fascist. Yeah, Marjorie is absolutely anti-fascist. Also, oh, A self-care tip coming from not the host of this episode, but don't fuck your friend's wives unless you have everybody's explicit permission.
0: And more importantly, don't fuck your friend's
1: children. Doesn't matter how much permission you have. You never fuck your friend's children.
0: Just don't do it. Self-care. Oh, boy. So that's going to be all for us this week, folks.
1: If you like what you're hearing, as you well fucking should... Um, you should check us out at this com. We're on Twitter at this Our Patreon is this And our Facebook is this fucking guy. Because Facebook is weird about asterisks.
0: Yep. As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I'm Ren Martinez. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Wash your hair. It's time. And don't be this fucking guy.
1: Peace. Peace.
0: This fucking guy